are you doing? I'll tell you what you're doing. You're listening to the Elder Scrolls Lorecast. Either you are, or I'll be skipping rope with your entrails. Ta-ta. This podcast is brought to you by our patrons at patreon.com slash Elder Scrolls Lorecast. Robots Radio. Games. Lore. Stories. Community. Just press play. Welcome to the Elder Scrolls Lorecast, the podcast where we explore the amazing universe of the Elder Scrolls. Adventurers! Welcome back to the Elder Scrolls Lorecast. This is your host, Tom, or Robots, and I'm here with my good buddy, Lotus of Doom. Hey, hey. And Lotus is having a, having a real fun night tonight with... Yeah, no, it was great. Flat, Definitely was here right on time. Didn't stuff. have car troubles. Definitely not raining and snowing outside my house. It's great. It's good good times. But you know what is you know what is good? This will this will cheer you up. We're wrapping up the Tribunal this week. Ta-da. Ta-da. We've talked about Almalexia. Um, godly powers earlier tonight. <laughs> you probably, yeah, you could float, like Vivek can float. We've talked about Sothisil. <laughs> now we're talking about Vivek, the warrior poet himself, who always tells the truth. Yeah. No, he's a very honest, straight shooter. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, he's, what I like about these characters, before we get into the details, is that they feel like real people. There are definitely situations where they do very good things, and they try to make, make, things better for other people they go out of mm-hmm. their way to do it they use their powers for what they believe to be good reasons but then there's also some selfish need in there and they have to kind of cover up their tracks and you know there's they are dynamically interesting gray individuals just yes. like most human beings even though they're dunmer or Keimer or Wurkheimer, whatever you guys get the idea so are you ready to jump into it lotus i am well this starts off like the other two do with Vivek's background and the fact that he grew up a long, long, long time ago. We talked about this with the Sothasil episode and how he supposedly helped save Sothasil, even though. Yeah, his his age is a little more suspect, um, being that he recants some of his own things, which it's like, OK, a lot more implications that he was God from the beginning, not found divinity through the heart of Lorcan. Yeah, there's a lot of this like retelling of stories and things like that. But as far as we can tell, he probably grew up around the same time in the first era. He uh, he basically was uh, a counselor and a well a junior counselor, but then also sometimes referred to as a general for mm-hmm. Indril Nerevar, which we've talked about before. And the general part is going to come in handy in the future as the story unfolds. And then, of course, there's the whole situation with the heart of Lorcan and the, the you know, the Chimer. Uh, having a conflict with the Dwemer and all of that stuff, which we've talked about before. And lo and behold, uh, Indrel Nerevar's counselors decide that they're going to promise not to mess with the tools of Kagranak and the heart right. and uh, somehow become gods and Nerevar is dead. Yeah, totally <laughs> unrelated. 
totally unrelated. unrelated. Totally, totally unrelated. <laughs> nothing to look at here. Yeah, just keep moving on. And then, of course, the retelling of the the histories and this idea that the tribunal were. Um, they were always supposed to be here and that they were their predecessors were the the daedra and that those were anticipations of the tribunal who are their real gods and all of this stuff and i have a feeling that vivek being a storyteller and a poet had no little no little part in making sure that those stories stories got around i would agree with that especially being such a, a storyteller and spinner of poetry as as he is, mm-hmm. it would be very in line with his whole existence to make sure that these stories are very fanciful. Uh, and what with kind of we said, you know, the gray area really make sure to always shine him in a way better light than perhaps he should be shown in in certain situations. Yeah. So this is one of the most self. Um, I mean, every all of them are self-interested and they have got their differences there. But he's he's the one who was most interested in the way others perceived him, if that if right. that tracks. Um, yep. There's a quote here from Sothasil about Vivek, which says Vivek craves radical freedom, the death of all limits and restrictions. He wishes to be all things at all times, every race, every gender, every hero, ev- both divine and finite. But in the end, he can only be Vivek. And so this speaks to some of the details about even the way he shows himself. We've talked about this before. Um, he was able to make himself look both Keimer and and Dunmer. He's split in half. He's also both male and female. And we're not given a whole lot of details about these things other than just the statement that he's he is all of these things. Yes. At all both times. sides of all the equation, you know, both sides of all the equations here. Yeah. Yeah. And so in order to do that, you kind of have to reinvent what was there to begin with. Right. Like originally he was Keimer and right. originally he came from a specific location. He was finite. He was a human, but he's showing these godlike powers in ways that beyond that. Right. And so yeah. and so it takes a certain um would you call it a uh, information campaign, a misinformation campaign in order to convince everybody that he is now who he's, he's supposed to be and always has been? He might have a plus six to propaganda going for him. Yeah. Yeah. So he's known as a poet. He, he writes yep. poetry. He's he's he pontificates about philosophy and religion, about the natures of the gods and the mortals, about what it takes to. In fact, some of what we get when it comes to some of the deep and wacky lore about um, becoming a god and mantling and all of that stuff comes from Vivek himself uh, and specifically the 36 lessons, which can be very, very opaque very hard to understand and you have to you have to look at them through certain lenses in order to get certain yeah information 36 36 lessons of vivek with the weird 37th sermon that kind of was introduced with the elder scrolls online um it has a lot of 
really weird vague concepts that does they do tell stories but so much of it like you said it's it's very opaque there's a lot of interpretation with all of this stuff and it's hard to discern what's real what's not real um and and honestly a lot a lot of it is so nebulous and up to interpretation. It's all steeped in symbolism and it, it, yeah, words that it's, mean it's, other things. And kind of like when we talked about uh, Coda, because it's a very Kirkbridean thing, the mm-hmm. 36 Lessons of Vivek. Some of the situations you run into with the 36 Lessons um, almost feel as if they're references to other references. So it's like it's hard to tell what actually has any concrete meaning where it's just referencing yeah. other references that are references to other references. Right. But, but that's actually a very so real thing. Nebulous. That's right. a very real thing in religious works. I mean, this is right. having, st- I mean, I've talked about this before. I studied uh, religious, different religions, uh, Christianity extensively, uh, philosophies of all different sorts, but you get to these ancient works and the ancient works, just like today, imagine somebody not from today was to stumble onto Twitter and to read everyone's posts on Twitter, mm-hmm. how much of what they're referencing would they even get? Because right. it was like so many, so many posts are referencing a meme, which is in itself a reference to other things. And if you don't have the context going back to the original source material, you yep. and even have experience with that source material in a way to understand what that actually is. Mm-hmm. There's so many layers on top of things. You wouldn't understand it. But this isn't something that's you know, just part of being a human today with computers and the internet. This is something that goes way back to every culture. Every culture has its internal references to things that are just understood because you grew up in the culture. Works like this are like that. And that's to Kirkbride's credit, actually pretty cool. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's very creative. And it also introduces us to some very weird concepts in the series that are kind of just alluded to occasionally, but you never really either see them or get a concrete grasp of them. But when they're talked about, it can almost give context at points to them, the ideas of lig and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. it's just like, it's interesting that they're conveyed in such a side note because literally you're never meant you're never made to read these in the story they're just right. in the elder scrolls three more when you can pick them all up and you get to collect 36 of them and it's a mess and it's like it's a very side thing that carries a shocking amount of potential importance to how the world is constructed yeah and it's interesting too because we have a character with godlike powers so of anybody who would be writing anything, somebody like Vivek might have insight into right. the the deeper nature of reality, the, the deeper secrets of the way reality works. Absolutely. But at the same time, he's not always a trustworthy source. Right. So you get that weird problem of <laughs> right. discerning what matters and what doesn't when there's so much to dig through. Right. Is 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 he is he steering us? in like is he helping us why is he writing these things what is the point of it is it beneficial for him for people to believe for example that he is a god and he always has been one you know like any of that kind of stuff but we we get a mix of stuff because a lot of times his messages are actually they they feel 
good and right. So, for example, there's a quote here where he states, he basically summarizes the teachings of the temple, your, which very much he is at the head of the, the tribunal. If any, if, and I haven't mentioned this yet. Of the tribunal, he is the most public, most aware one. He is the one who people see the most. He lives in the largest city. People worship him directly and go ask him questions like he is a very public figure. And so he says your fourfold duties are to faith, family, masters and all that is good. That sounds great. And if you have a master, then, of course, do what you need to do. Right. Like this. This sounds very biblical, too. Yeah, Um, for sure. Yeah. So uh, perform holy quests and bring luster to the temple. Never transgress against your brothers or sisters and never dishonor your house or your ancestors. Serve and protect the poor and weak and honor your elders and clan. I don't know that many of us would disagree with any of this in our even in our own society. Like treat people nicely. Don't transgress against uh, you right. know, brothers and sisters. And I assume that means like the greater community of, of brotherhood yeah. and sisterhood, you know, uh, honor G-L-B-R, your ancestors. Just like, don't be a, don't be a bad person. Don't be like, a douche. Th- don't be a douche. Like, and right. that's, it's like, okay, yeah, that's on brand. That seems like a, a good code to live by. Just try to be the best you can. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, that's, that's, that's good insight. That's great because it will make, if everybody's doing that, uh, you're going to have a very pleasant situation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it, like, like many religious teachings, like on the surface, this sounds great. If you know, yep. it's, and it's, and it's hard to make sure that you do it at all times. And uh, what's ironic about that is, you know, murdering your friend and, <laughs> and the leader in order yeah. to gain godlike powers also probably doesn't fall under Pro- probably doesn't these recommendations that teaching right there but that's the situation of telling other people how to act and then not going through with it yourself right I mean, or you know a certain situation. regret for things that you did in the past that sure. you're trying to make up for you know there's right that angle as well but it's always the situation with uh the tribunal you kind of wonder you know they're very good at telling people how the world is or how they should be and stuff like that um but it's a lot easier to say how being pious and righteous is easy when you don't have the option to take something you really are invested in or want and you have to make that choice yourself right it's very easy to judge somebody for making the wrong choice as opposed to making the correct choice yourself yeah being in their shoes is not always the easier way to like it it's it is a lot easier to look at somebody else's problem from the outside and say well it's clear you need to do this yeah you just shouldn't have done that actually do it you're in that situation it's like okay well yeah but do you have the strength to not do that (laughs) right right personal gain in their situation or it's like oh godlike power yeah okay that's pretty enticing (laughs) yeah so this is something i've been thinking about and uh, i kind of has been brewing over the last few weeks thinking about these, but then uh, really came to a head when researching more about Vivek. You have three individuals who may have done something absolutely terrible in order to gain power. If you were to put yourself in that situation and now years, tens, hundreds, thousands, however long have gone by, wouldn't you, and, and I think all three of them kind of fall into this, feel like okay now that i have this power there's a responsibility that comes with it right and to their credit regardless of how they gained that power most of the time they typically seem to act 
to the benefit of their community, their believers, mm-hmm. their society. And it seems like one of those things where like, you know, maybe they came about it in nefarious means and did something absolutely terrible, but maybe there was a turn for each of them where they go, Oh, I shouldn't have done that. Like, obviously that was a bad thing, but n- n- this is where I am now. Let's make the right. most of it, right? And it I becomes feel like a very much uh, when you look at it from a whole picture. Do the ends justify the means? Right. Type of situation. Like, was more good done as a result of them basically betraying their friend and or wife? I mean, and or husband and all of these things. Yeah. Like, did that end up? being more beneficial in the end because they actually did use that power for good in the it's 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 a very odd situation especially Mm -hmm. with how everything turns out later on there's a lot of good done as a result of the tribunal for varying reasons and stuff like that but then again things kind of go south again toward the end of their lifespans where, right. you know, so the cell and Vivek is very nebulous, which we'll get into. There's no real confirmation on what happens with Vivek. Uh, yeah. Whereas the other two tribunal members, you know exactly what happens to them. Right. Right. So, yeah. We talked about Amalexia going crazy and then murdering. Yeah. So yeah, exactly. And then you take out Amalexia, mm-hmm. whereas Vivek kind of just fades into obscurity around the time of the Nereverian and the events of the Elder Scrolls Three Morrowind. However, as a result of that, Bardow then lands in the volcano, like lands on Vivek right, City. Right. Well, he loses his power. Fell. Like the, right, the, 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 what happens in the end is although the other right. two die, the, the power is taken away. Right. It, it basically and like boom no more no more super magic no powers, more powers. No, none for vivek none for dagoth or right like nope. none for anybody even if the other two yeah. would have survived no right. more power and so the things that vivek was maintaining <laughs> using his godlike powers right like theoretically he could have been in vivek and went smush we just don't know right. we have no confirmation right yeah, it's it's an interesting uh, it, it's an interesting thing. It's an interesting dilemma. Um, but tell you what, I've got some more stuff to talk about with uh, some of the things he did before that happened, and then um, he doesn't actually have any real artifacts. I mean, there's a few, but not not in the same yeah, way that we, the others we do. We can make reference to it. I, I mean, one of them is basically entirely referred to in the Thirty Six Lessons. So yeah, <laughs> so. Yeah. And then and then we've got some speculation on where he might be if he is still alive and all that kind of stuff. So don't go anywhere. We're going to go thank our patrons and we'll be right back. This is Hamish Morak, Dragonborn. And you are educating yourself to the Elder Scrolls lore cast. All right, here we are in the middle of the show, and we have three new patrons to welcome. We have Noah M and Zachary M and Chris. Different M's, by the way, not the same last name. Uh, welcome aboard. Thank you for joining us. I hope you're enjoying your ad-free episodes or more stuff if you're one of the higher tier patrons. And that brings us up to 130 right now 130 patrons yikes yeah three daedric princes who get shout outs every week evelyn r kiracy and noodle al dente thank you for uh, supporting us on that level as well and everybody else who who does this uh, we really do appreciate it thank you very much patreon.com slash elder scrolls lorecast is the place you can go if you want to check out all the different stuff you can get 
Um, and then we do have a new review, but they did state that they want it to be read out during a patron episode. Oh, because save it. Yeah. So they uh, hopefully I will remember this for the future. <laughs> Things don't always translate that like that. Um, but just a reminder, if you are joining us for a patron episode, it is on the last Thursday of the month, which happens to be two weeks from this current recording. So that's the 26th at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific to so. be. Uh, ironically, the day after the giant ESO reveal. So we'll have That's a true. lot of information coming out from the Bethesda slash Microsoft conference. Oh, maybe we'll be unpacking some of that information, see what our patrons think about mm-hmm. next year's ESO plans. Yeah, yeah, that would be a lot of fun. The timing on that works great. So come join us. If you aren't currently a tier four patron, you can come sign up and join us this month. Uh, there's still time to do that. So uh, also, if you leave a five star rating on Apple Podcasts, we'll read out your review on a future episode. And you can also leave us ratings on other platforms like Spotify. All of that stuff is extremely helpful in actually moving us up in the ranks when people search for stuff. So That's why so many people seem to keep finding out about us. Yeah. Yeah. Because you guys are very nice reviews. I've, like we could be doing the best show in the world. But if it wasn't for you guys, nobody would know about it. So thank you so much for everybody who takes the time to do that. Share us with your friends. Anything like that. Uh, we really do appreciate it. So, all right, let's move on with the rest of the show. You're listening to the Elder Scrolls Lorecast, dear child of cities. That is why the Night Mother loves you. So, Lotus, I wanted to talk a little bit about some of the things that Vivek does beyond just holding Bardow up in the sky. Um, Some of the things that, like, he really did earn some of the worship beyond just the misinformation campaign that we've talked about. Sure. So um, he was a general during the time of the Nerevarine and he understands he's a warrior poet. That's what we know him as. But why do we think of him as the warrior poet? Well, it turns out that during specific times in the history of Morrowind, he actually went to war and led the Dunmer in times where they needed to defend themselves. So, for example, right. during the Reman dynasty at the end of the first uh, first era, there was an 80 year war where Vivek basically managed in order to, uh, to keep the empire out of Morrowind. Yeah, it's why Morrowind wasn't really ever necessarily conquered by any of these dynasties it was more of like an armistice or a truce a lot of times where they would get along with each other to a degree for the sake of civility rather than a lot of times the emperor would go into an area and just basically (laughs) wipe everything out and it was like okay well now we're all assimilated into the empire and like this is this is how it goes and it never really worked that way in morrowind largely due in fact to the you know military prowess of people like vivek and it's you know uh, a lot of times it's referenced it's like it's kind of hard to go up against a group of people with literal gods floating <laughs> around in their army that's right. pretty intimidating right right this was called the four score war which happened in the first era 2840 and then for the next 80 years and um this wasn't the only time that vivek went on the battlefield and defended his people. There were actually two different invasions by the Akaviri mm-hmm. and Vivek turned both of those down using different means. So, and this was during the second era um, to say that 
he like the, yes there's stories of like well this is what the gods wanted and so we're the new gods and all of that stuff but then to actually have in the history books like Vivek did this thing like the the historians at the time wrote about it it wasn't Vivek right. writing uh uh, of his version of the history like, and passing oh, it I am. It's other people being like, yeah, we literally run up against a god. It did not go well. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, like the yeah the Empire saying things like, well, no matter what we could do, we couldn't actually take ground in Morrowind because Vivek, a living god, was yeah. <laughs> fighting with his people really to keep us out. to fight a god. <laughs> right, right. And so, you know, I mean, yes, he has godlike powers. It probably wasn't super dangerous for him to be out on a battlefield. But at the same time, he could be doing anything he wants, right? Like imagine right. imagine you you had godlike powers. You'd be sleeping in every morning. You'd yeah. be eating everything that you wanted Just ever. Just hovering like a jerk letting everybody else's <laughs> toilet in the fields. <laughs> Who knows? Like, right? Like like the average I mean, maybe for a while you do that kind of thing, but eventually it was like, oh, I should probably make better use of these powers. Yeah, maybe, maybe maybe I should actually contribute. <laughs> <laughs> but he like he re- legitimately did some of this stuff, as far as we can tell. Every source is a little suspect, but it does seem like that. And then with his teachings, it seems like he was trying to convey better ways of living. He was trying to be there for his people. He legitimately was open to having conversations and being publicly available. In fact, you can go visit him in ESO and he's like hovering his powers are going away during the quest line, but he's sure. like, he's like hovering around in his little temple in, in yep. Vivek city. And you know, he's willing to take people in and talk to them and help them with their problems and those kinds of things. And I'm sure there were limitations around that, but that's, uh, and there's something to be said on that side of it. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I would agree that it's, it's not, all poetic nonsense why he was impactful like there was actually reasons why a lot of the dunmary people were able to progress stay alive in many situations because of effect like one thing of him being very flowery with words and talking about how great he is doesn't negate even if it isn't true when he actually did do something that kept people alive. I mean, just the simple act we we kind of glossed over, but like the simple act of holding Bardow up so that it did not crush mm-hmm. Vivek City, blowing up everybody, that you can objectively attribute all of their lifespans being extended because he did that. Like, right. like right. right down to rudimentary, very simple cause and effect. Like he kept people alive as much as he might have done some other sketchy stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So Bardat, we've talked about before, is the big old yeah. rock hurled in, towards the city by Sheogorath, right? Sheogorath, yeah. yeah. And uh, you know, we've always, we've joked about, well, why didn't he just slowly lower it into the I water? But, but, slowly lower it out or maybe it he, into the sky. Yeah, or, just redirect it up at the sky and right. it goes into space. And, and the other thing is, though, like to that point, one thing that I've always considered the situation, and it's just kind of my speculation on it, uh, would be the idea that it's a constant reminder to the citizens how powerful he is because he doesn't want that to go away either. And if you have a giant rock being held floating above the city, knowing that it could squish you at any minute if he <laughs> were to go away, definitely pulls on the like, okay, yeah, we got to be, we got to play nice with Vivek. Um, but think how but, trusting the population was to still live there with a rock floating above right. it. Like, so it's like, why not just move the city? Sure. They doubled down on it. Like, yeah. So it was like, okay, he's going to keep us safe. So even though it, it's one of these things, 
it's kind of splitting hairs a lot of time and it happens in real life where something good happens but it's done like if you donate to charity and talk a whole bunch about it well you still donated to charity (laughs) like it doesn't Mm -hmm. negate that in this situation he's doing something so that people seemingly will want to continue to be nice to him and pay attention to him and acknowledge him and praise him but at the same time it doesn't negate the fact that he's literally keeping like this thing up there like you know what i mean like what one thing doesn't necessarily negate another if there's some selfish motive in it as well right right so the situation with bardow is of course it comes to a head at the end of the morwin storyline it falls officially in the fourth era year five and uh sets off a chain reaction because basically the nerevarine is that i don't know however you say that word i uh, just say nerevarine but i don't think there's any real way to pronounce that right knows. i would not I, I would not rely on me for pronunciation of words like that right right he destroyed the enchantments on the heart of Lorcan, which of course like we talked about before broke all the magic stuff and yep. then Bardell Bardell falls. That sets off a chain reaction because when you have a gigantic explosion from a big rock cratering into the earth and the city right there next mm-hmm. to a big volcano, well, the volcano gets set off. And so that was the basically explosion of Red Mountain, the eruption of Red Mountain yep. at the at the beginning of the fourth era, which is talked about a lot, which had far reaching effects and not it only did. did it destroy people and re we talked about it with like the houses of Morrowind. It re it reconfigured a lot of what was going on there, but it was also a symbolic end to the tribunal. It, it was. And you had some weird side effects that came out of the whole area as well, because it took place after uh, oblivion, but prior to um, Skyrim displacing people and stuff like that but in between those two sections you have the two novels Mm -hmm. and you actually in the novels um get i mean you don't literally see it because it's a book you have to envision it's fine but it's described they actually travel to the area of basically the northern part where vardenfell was they're in that destroyed region and there's new things kind of horrifically being formed in that nightmare that happens as a side effect of it so it changes more than just the landscape but a lot of like it seems like the creatures and setting around the area as well as like you were referencing the the you know, the political structure and all that stuff um mm-hmm. uh, with the great houses and all that so and the worship at the end of the worship of the yeah, tribunal there's no worship right. of the tribunal is there because dead it, or mia i mean it was a very clear example of like oh these so gods are no longer gone. protecting us yeah that's exactly that's like anybody who did not move out of that city probably wishes they did that <laughs> if they're not still if they're still able to have wishes nuked, but yeah <laughs> right right so from that point on we don't know about vivek's fate like this is yes. this is a hole in the story and maybe he was sitting on his little throne while the rock came down and he just went down with the ship like a good captain um yep. maybe he made it out of town maybe he uh, who knows right like we don't know where he went and what he did afterwards if he was put back to a fully mortal state then he would have a lifespan so he would only live so much longer beyond that point right so 
if we're talking maybe the events I, after Skyrim, like maybe he's going to show up in the next thing, unless there's some way of keeping him around longer. Sure, it, it wouldn't be Probably the first not. time, or maybe at the uh, before the end of the Elder Scrolls Three Morrowind, I punched him to death just to see if I could because I'm <laughs> right. such a high level. Who knows? Right. Well, here's another thought. Here's another thought, Lotus. What if? What if we know we know for a fact that the tribunal was not super popular with some of the Daedric princes? Indeed. And so, two of them are dead one of them has his power removed wouldn't it be the most optimal time if you wanted to get back at any of them to scoop up vivek and bring him to oblivion and keep him there for your own amusement i that certainly would make sense especially if you hold a uh i don't know infinite kelpa spanning grudge or something <laughs> right now we know that azura was uh, he's he's the anticipation of uh mafala but we know that Azura yes. during the events of ESO was helping. She was on the right. side of the tribunal. So she, at yes, least at that it was time, advantageous. it was advantageous. It, at least at that time, she wasn't like, oh, well, you guys usurped our power and over right. the Dunmer or anything like that. So Half we, of you already died ashen anyway. <laughs> right. So, so we know that to some of them, they're cool. Unless that was her just like we've talked about with Azura, like slow mm, playing it. This like, is my slow play and I'm going to be nice and pretty and yeah. like, la la la. Oh, yeah, no, we totally want this you guys out. Okay. Now that you don't have power. Now that you so don't have power. Anyways, come on into, come on into, come, come visit right. me, Vivek. About you betraying Nerevar and actually, you know, yeah. taking that power that you shouldn't have. We've, yeah. we've got to talk. Why don't we extend your stay here in my realm for right. a few Which thousand years? Which realm sounds delightful. Unless but, you're being worshipped in the, uh, and worshipped, tortured in the back room or oh, something. Yeah, exactly. In the not pretty you, parts where she right, keeps for her enemies. You can smell pretty flowers, but it's over your own screams because <laughs> right. you know she's doing whatever horrible thing she's doing here. right so maybe something and i don't even know if azura is the number one i mean clearly there are other much more dangerous or at least openly malicious and dangerous that, there's a lot of uh history with uh vivek and molag ball mm -hmm. uh in the 36 lessons of vivek which we won't you know yeah if you ever well, feel ball. ambitious feel free to read those but Oof. those are some Molag Ball has problems with everybody, but Molag Ball <laughs> and Vivek have some interesting uh, meetups. Yeah, there's so like ex-lovers kind of thing going on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which again, you you know, you, the whole scorned lover thing probably not going to help his situation when it relates to Molag Ball. That seems like somebody you really don't want as a scorned lover. I don't know that if if I could pick any lover. <laughs> I don't think Molag Ball would be at the top of my list. Nope. I think they'd probably be the Pro bottom of my list. Yeah. Yeah. Of all of them at all. Right. I mean, Hermie would be, you know, Hermie Mora would be higher on the list, even though he's yeah, yeah. a weird well, squid tentacle monster. Pillow. Yeah, I mean, he's a tentacle monster. You'd end up in, like, yeah, weird anime. Monster. I was just thinking anime more realm. of, like, the, the, the mist. I was just thinking he's, like, a big <laughs> okay. cloud. It's like a big cloud. But anyway, let's die. I digress, at least. Um, <laughs> we don't know what happened to Vivek. He could be anywhere. Yeah. He could show up in a future storyline. Uh, yeah. I think it would be cool he if he did. He could pull Sil and we find what's left of him. <laughs> that could happen as well. Um, I think if, if we're going to have any characters return in Elder Scrolls Six, and so now we're, we're, we're looking at you, Bethesda Studios, for <laughs> four or five years from now, because we know you're working on the storylines and stuff right now. If we had any characters show up, Lotus, 
uh, Vivek, I think would be cool. Like have him interesting, have him being tortured somewhere on or, or, or maybe not even tortured. What if for some other reason, like because he's he keeps all the knowledge that he has, even if he doesn't have powers. Like, what if for some other reason, some other powerful somebody, it could be a danger prince or somebody else wants to make use of him. And so we find out what happens to him or keeps him alive or something could be some interesting because we know mages have the ability to extend their lifespans and all of that. He would have the knowledge to do that. That could be. It's true. That could be a thing. So other than Vivek, let's just let's just kind of go on a little side tangent because we're kind of at the end of the show anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Who else would be like okay what if they should they return for elder scrolls 6 assuming that we're now a few more hundred years in the future from the events of skyrim gonna, okay so we're going with another decent sized leap in the timeline we take we take a leap yeah we take another move forward in the timeline is there well, anybody so the, else so there's another character and i'll even keep it related at the moment uh to vivek which i i've been very curious we actually never find out what happens to the nerevarian after elder scrolls 3 which is your character mm-hmm. um again you have all the events that happen you know put forth by you the player character which turns out to be the nerevarian and then much like vivek it's just kind of like poof just no more i've long wondered what happened to you in that one <laughs> like yeah. because you were a little more part of the prophecy uh as opposed to in oblivion you weren't a side character you actually right. weren't the main character you were the person carrying forward the prophecy so that other people could do great things correct in daggerfall you're another like you are a blades agent like you matter but only in the terms of helping progress a certain situation that happens. You're a main character in it, uh, very similar with uh, Arena. And then, you know, you've got some of the weird spinoff ones. You're a battle mage uh, in Battlespire. Like, okay, these aren't necessarily integral characters beyond them being the characters there until you get to the Nerevarian and the Dragonborn. Those two are like world important like tied into so many fabrics of things because it's a mm-hmm. little more than you were there while a thing happened and you helped perpetuate it and it was more the thing that's happening is related specifically to your existence right. um right and and both of those characters i feel would be interesting to find out i mean we obviously don't know what happens to the dragon board either because we haven't gotten a game further in the timeline yet right right um right so either of those characters i think would be very interesting to hear about the player characters as they would be important past you playing them whereas the other characters less so yeah i agree i agree i mean these are definitely games where in every one of the games the prisoner is able to change the world but not in every game is the prisoner actually a almost godlike powerful being correct (laughs) right right right, right. (laughs) so those are two different things yeah and both of those characters both the narrowvarian and uh the dragonborn theoretically have the potential even if the series goes forward in time quite a bit again could theoretically still be around one's a literal reincarnation (laughs) so you don't have any idea what that kind of lifespan is and the dragonborn you got all sorts of weird situations related to to okay well what kind of life expectancy would you get because depending upon some of the deals you make 
through Skyrim. I mean, you have Mirak, who was literally the first Dragonborn and still existed with the intervention of Hermes Mora. So, right. What if? Knows oh, what if long. the? What if you? You take out Mirak. You're the new Mirak. What if? What I mean, you're the only dragon. He was the first Dragonborn. Right. You're the last Dragonborn. What if you are equally as valuable to somebody like Hermaeus Mora? Right. Exactly. Who then takes you again? One of those like takes you into his realm, and now you are just like, well, okay. And you displaced the other one, so theoretically, right. Hermie might be right. interested. You in stole from like you that. stole from my library. I have to. <laughs> oh, I have to so replace exactly the like thing in my library. Perfect. So you're going to take its place. Yeah. Spot on. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, that's just it. So both of those characters <laughs> still could have like a substantial role and potential to be alive still. Yeah, it's true. It's true. So yeah, I think that would be cool. I think both of those would be cool. Um, we haven't gotten a lot of that, like callbacks to the previous and we get callbacks to the previous games, but not call, callbacks to the previous protagonists. Yes. And so, yeah, that would be neat. I think that would be really cool. Yeah. But yeah, I, I would love to find neat. what happens to Vivek. Like this is, I mean, it is cl- right. a clearly well-known hole in the story. We right. don't know. Like and we get a lot a of closure. Or have they just not addressed it yet? Right. We get a lot of, a lot of other than player characters and even some player characters like the Oblivion one, like becomes Sheogoreth. <laughs> right? <laughs> right. So, but we don't right. get a lot right. of closure so like, for the other ones. We get closure for other important characters. Or characters, yeah, ironic, right? And and I mean, with the, the character, you know, the hero of Kavach, uh, yeah. you know, Savior Cyrodiil. I, ironically, you really weren't the important character, and it was the expansion that kind of proved you were such an unimportant character. You were deleted and became an actual character that's been longstanding in the series. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. But like um, Martin, we know what happens to Martin in that. Right. We know what happens to end. Yeah. Many of the emperors, we know when yeah. their ends were. Um, many of the individuals who led the different guilds and things like that. And many of them right. would were not super powerful beings and would have had normal lifespans and whatever. Um, right. But we, we get kind of ends of stories for a lot of characters. But there are a few like Vivek who we just don't know. And yeah. I think that would be cool. I also think it would be cool in the next expansion to get uh, updates on historically important characters like if we're going to have more red guard stuff in it to have oh yes yes uh what's his face the sword master guy um historically uh, uh his name is not working in my brain right now oh my god yeah i was gonna say oh this is a terrible terrible situation yeah there's a uh, deck in eso in the card game named after him yeah um, uh wow this is horrible but, uh one of the thoughts is we'll get sword singing and so to yeah. have some better understanding about like what was going on with the red guards and the red guards before they were red guards and that culture and some of the key important people in that culture over time and like that that side of things right right that'd be really cool too yeah but uh no it, lotus it is looking it up <laughs> yeah totally uh friend or hunting uh yeah yeah there you go Hunting. Yeah, sorry, hunting. The worst brain. Yeah, that yeah. was such a brain fart. I'm like, I can't. I, I couldn't. How are, how couldn't are do both it. of us whiffing on this so hard? I was like, I immediately need to look this up because it's even easy to Google because it's such a yeah. So I'm just hunting. I'm just bad at names. I just like even people who live next to me. I'm just like, oh, what was that person's name again? I don't know. <laughs> like now uh, that that one that one was going to drive me uh, mad. <laughs> so yeah. Well, that wraps up the tribunal. We're done with them. Um, we're gonna have to discuss where we go next lotus i don't know that yeah, we've planned out the next episode some interesting topics we could still dive into so 
Yeah. Well, we'll be thinking about that. Uh, oh, oh, actually, yeah. you know what we should do just because I, they're always my favorite part. And like you said, the, the, the joke with uh, this situation is there are two things that aren't really specifically talked about. So before we finish with Vivek, there's mm-hmm. two little bits we can actually talk about the with ar- Vivek. The which artifacts? Because I know we forgot those. Quote the artifacts. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so one of them that I wanted to bring up, because I just realized that it's listed specifically for the other two tribunal people on the USP, and it's listed on the page for Vivek on the USP. However, it's not referenced as an artifact, which is different than the other two. It's weird. It's the mask yeah. of Vivek. Yep. Yep. The mask. Which is which is funny just because the other ones are referred to as an artifact and this one is not. But his is also way less interesting. It literally just looks like a crappy version of Vivek. It's just like Here's a grump, other... grumpy Vivek face. Yeah. Right. Where the other where the other ones were much more like uh Amalexia specifically was like rage filled Amalexia type of thing. Yeah. So so it was like uh interesting that it was kind of glossed over and the other one which is i I, you know it's it's funny because i i went to the page just so that i could have the actual definition for it it's actually listed as an artifact and under vivek but not on vivek's artifacts (laughs) so i figured it was worth noting um but the it's his spear he has it on him all the time it's referenced here's on um, his back it's poking it it appears on his his shoulders yeah also uh it's a good thing we have an explicit tag because it's also his dick uh (laughs) throwing that up um he waxes poetic quite a bit and um without sugarcoating it it's it's a phallic symbol in a lot of situations. Uh, it's kind of a double entendre in a lot of things, mm-hmm. but it is an actual spear. Like it, it's a weapon. Um, <laughs> so it's called Muatra, which is M-U-A-T-R-A. And the meaning is milk taker, which is equally weird yeah and that's why i specifically kind of wanted to reference like the fact that it's like it has there are a lot of bizarre sexual overtones and undertones in a lot of well kirkbride's writing it points but very specifically related to vivek yes um so I just felt we would be remiss if we didn't mention that he uh, has the spear uh-huh. and the explanation of it is very simple. It's actually very specifically brought up in sermon 14 of the 36 lessons of Vivek. So if you are super interested in this, feel free to, you know, <laughs> look, look up sermon 14 because we are not going to read the 36 lessons. Of Vivek. <laughs> just not going to happen. Um, but uh while there are no accounts of its creation, Vivek claimed it and used it, uh, oh, is used by him to eliminate his progeny with Molag Ball. We had mentioned them kind of being like this weird lover set. Yeah. Um, oh, no. Yeah. From a secret he had bitten off from the king of rape, which is ugh, Ball. one of yeah. Molag Ball's less pleasant uh, titles. Right. Um, it is said that the, uh, oh, it is. <laughs> It is said that those struck by the spear turned barren and withered into bone shapes. That's <laughs> really just like. <sighs> thanks, Vivek. Yeah, thanks, Vivek. Yeah. Like, that's so cringe. Vivek, is Vivek the sexiest of the godlike beings? Mm. Whether we want him to or not, I think he's going for that crown. He's trying. Um, he's trying. Yeah. But he's also. 
really awkwardly trying at times too right so i i it's kind of worth noting just that it exists and has weird other connotations other than just being the weapon that he uses in battle um solid point yeah not really a weapon really 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 solid hard point you made there (laughs) nice pointing things out (laughs) but yeah so so that that's been covered um there there you yeah, go <laughs> covered with a milk like substance anyway yeah so oh god that's gonna do it for this episode sure uh, is let's get us out of here <laughs> if you have any of the thoughts or questions or ideas for uh maybe what we should do next week uh there's a lot of stuff we've talked about like a lot of things and things have come up in the past we're like oh, we should do that sometime but we'll get there we'll figure yeah, it out for sure lotus you got other stuff going on um no we just recorded tales uh first one of the year because we had like a little break and i um just hasn't hasn't really had much going on just because i've been running around with real life a whole bunch but um and it's the like before the storm thing where we just don't get any new details until exactly and then we just got the announcement of the upcoming um eso showcase global reveal and the bethesda slash microsoft showcase coming on the 25th of january Mm mm-hmm so that'll be very very exciting otherwise um now i'm just trying to get game time when i can but uh yeah hopefully i can come up with a couple more uh things to toss on youtube and the biggest thing that i really uh kind of hope hoping to do is get some of these other projects we've got lined up because we've got more guests hopefully coming for tales coming up soon so hopefully that all works out and um yeah it's just kind of waiting for what information we get coming up on new elder scrolls stuff yeah yeah well we'll be talking about it when it mm-hmm. when, when we find tuned. out stay tuned both on this show and on tales of tamriel go check yep. out tales on whatever podcatcher you're listening to this or check it out at yep. robotsradio.net our show you can find the other show <laughs> yeah or robotsradio.net has links to it uh yep. and all of my other shows fallout lorecast the starfield lorecast hopefully we get mm-hmm. we hear there's going to be a separate event Yep. maybe sometime in the next few months which means we're getting close we're getting close reveals yep. coming so that's they said no more delays so theoretically it's supposed to be real close yeah yeah so uh, that show the lord of the rings lorecast mass effect which are all of my other stuff robotsradio.net check it out and that's gonna do it for us for this week stay safe out there and if you come across a floating two-colored god who tells you weird stories then I don't know. Look up. Make sure there's a floating rock above you. Yeah, and then ma- thank him for sure that. Make sure you're not too close to the impact zone. <laughs> All right. We'll see you guys next time. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thanks for joining us. We'd love to hear from you. You can reach me on Twitter at robots underscore radio or Lotus of Doom at Lotus of Doom. Also, you can join us on the Robots Radio Discord channel. You can easily just search Robots Radio Discord on Google or check the description underneath the podcast. Also, this podcast is recorded live every week on Thursday nights, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific on the Robots Radio channels on Twitch, YouTube, and on Facebook. So just search Robots Radio on any of those platforms 
times, come join us. We'd love to chat with you while we record the show or before or after. Either way, just come hang out with us. And if you're looking for more information about my shows and the shows on the Robots Radio Network, go to robotsradio.net for all the information about all the shows on the network, including the Robots Radio Rocket Club, where I help both new and existing podcasters to grow their shows, build their audiences, and create the best podcast they possibly can. All of that at robotsradio.net. We'll see you next time.